Hi, welcome. Today is February 2nd. This is the Executive Girlfriends Group Next Generation Leaders Call today. My name is Cecilia Dahl, and my guest today is Rainey Cavallari. Rainey is the CEO and Director of Inspiration at Aspire Marketing, which she founded in 1995. She's a strategist, a speaker, an author, a leader, and has delivered results for businesses around the world for 20 years. Uh, Rainey's going to be talking to us a little bit today about leadership and mentoring and uh, and making decisions in, in that regard down, down a career path. Welcome, Rainey. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Thanks. Um, and I know you've spoken to this group before, to the Executive Women's Group, and I'm wondering if you could maybe just start by giving us an introduction about your past, your career path, and how you came to be the founder of Aspire Marketing. What brought you there? What what decisions along the path? Well, uh, I started um, right out of college. I uh, joined a corporation. At the time, it was Sheraton Corporation owned by ITT and it's since evolved from there. And it was a phenomenal opportunity for me. I uh, was I, I really learned the fundamentals of business. Um, I was very active at the time. I was in sales and actually got my first experiences with marketing and strategy during that time with Sheraton. And then from there, I joined a hotel management company, um, which really allowed me to understand how business works more. I think in the Sheraton environment, I learned how branding and large strategic decisions really operate and how they funnel down to execution. That's for myself, being in sales, to execute the strategy. When I moved into a management company environment, I really was able to understand how businesses worked. And because each hotel we operated and each spa, golf course, marina, whatever, because the interesting thing about tourism is that when you look at it, there's a lot of businesses in there, you know, dealing with everything, including technology. So there's, there was a lot to understand in terms of how does a business operate and what makes a business you know, more effective and run at a higher productivity level um, and really be more profitable uh, for whoever, whomever the owner is. And then from there I went on. I was um, vice president of a management company, another a different management company called Sage Hospitality. And Sage was a great learning position for me because it really put me in a, a place of uh, not just behaving like a leader, but also being in the position of leadership. And I was responsible there for strategy work. I bought and sold hotels. Uh, when I was with Sage, I really learned a lot about uh, more higher-level balance sheet items and, and the impact of leading a organization. I also at that time got into operations. So I think for me, before I ever ventured into um, making the choice to uh, open up my own shop, I really had the extraordinary experience of great mentorship. Uh, quite frankly, I had phenomenal women who were mentoring me um, as well as men, and then different experiences. So I was selecting the places that I went and built my learning, my, my depth of knowledge from based on, you know, what was new and what I could, you know, really expand on the things that I had currently known. So it wasn't just my ability to contribute. It was also my ability 
to grow in my career, uh, not necessarily just in a position mentality, in a knowledge and application mentality. And then, in, as you said, in 1995, I opened, I started a company called Aspire. And really a funny story about Aspire is that I literally left corporate America um, realizing that the next move for me was going to be more at a C-level. I, I had risen to a senior vice president of um, an organization. And the, the next move really wasn't what I aspired to do. And I, so while I was, enthusiastically learning, I also came to know what are the things I love to do because they became very congruent with the things that I did well. And so when I left, I founded Aspire, and we're a strategic marketing and training company globally, and quite honestly, they're the things that I love to do, and so that's why Aspire originally did them, and then they hence expanded. We do quite a bit of cultural alignment work and uh, you know our our work is also in you know customer retention strategies, and we have even worked in you know how technology drives revenue. And so uh, we've we've been able to also grow and develop as a company over the past seventeen years. Right. Well, it's really exciting, um, you know, looking at your site, and you're such a wonderful resource. You're a resource to everybody within the Executive Girlfriends community and, and all of the, the next generation leaders. And as we were talking and sort of planning this call, I'm looking in, at your site and saying, well, you, you can talk on hospitality and training and team building and sales training and leadership training, and there are so many areas we could focus on for this call, and um, and maybe there need to be subsequent calls, but we, we kind of narrowed in on um, this idea of leadership training, in particular because this is the Next Generation Leaders Group, and I think that that is a key interest for this group. We all... Um, you know, are already leaders or or going to become leaders. And I I sent everybody a quote uh, off of your site earlier today where you said leadership is a behavior, and I think that's that's really interesting. And, and behaviors, as we talked about, are learned and learned through lessons. Uh, we talked a little bit about lessons actually before we started the recording. And I'm interested in knowing from you as you were coming up the ranks through Sheraton and Sage and kind of making your way up up learning about how to be a leader and how to run a company do you have a single most uh or a lesson in leadership that stands out the most for you that made a tremendous impact that you could share with the group well i think that that was such a that is such a fabulous and difficult question because yeah. <laughs> one thing is is really hard to identify just one thing and and I did kind of I, one thing does come to mind and at the same time I I want to say that you know leadership is so important and for the women who are listening, there is no time like now. We we are in such dire need in uh, it, globally, yeah, alone in, in the United States, for leaders, true leaders. And leadership is a it's a behavior. It's the way we act when we go to the grocery store. It's the way we engage people. And when I think about leadership, I think about engagement. I think how do we bring out the best in other people around us? And so I can be a leader in a grocery store because as I'm walking down an aisle and I make eye contact and smile or, you know, engage with someone who's speaking with me, hey, you know, what are you looking for today? 
that in that moment I can connect with people and that that can change um, the energy of, of another person and that changes people's potential. I believe that, you know, our potential is is so enormous compared to what we're using. And that tends to be recognized more from others outside of us. And they can, as a leader, I can draw that out of another person. Just like for me, mentors helped draw it out of me. And it might have been through coaching me or it might have been through correcting me or it might have been through just, you know, inspiring me or believing in me. And yet regardless of all those things, the single greatest thing I think that leaders can give one another, whether they're in the position or not, um, and they're just in the behavior of being a leader, is the gift of engaging another person. I think this is true in parenting, how we engage our children. I think it's true in how we interact with each other at the office. And we all have been in an office environment where there was someone who might not have, quote, been in a leadership position, and yet they engaged people in a way. And sometimes engagement can be negative. And so we want to make sure that we engage people to their potential, and that's going to be to the positive energy that they that they have and that they can contribute. So in answer to your question, I think engagement is something um, that is vital for a leader and that it inspires people to contribute, it inspires people to connect, um, and it inspires the six pillars, which are very, very, I believe, important. Aspire has done a lot of research on how do you build an internal community in your organization as well as an external community. And we've identified these six pillars, actually. They're noted in, in my book, and Aspire to Be. And it is in these six pillars that, and I'll run through them real quick, it's in these six pillars that real strength in organizations can not only be created, it's sustainable over time. And so we read about the idea of good to great, and yet how do we sustain this kind of greatness? And pillar one is connection, that ability to create rapport and trust with one another inside your organization. And by doing that, it naturally filters outside of your organization. And pillar two is clean communication, not just clear communication. A lot of us think that you know, we're having clear communication, and so what we said is okay, even though we said it in a way that it may hurt another being. And clean communication is different. It says it in a way that another person can have it. And the third pillar is compassion, and that's that ability to uh, not only have empathy, uh, it's also the ability to, what I say, stay out of judging. So having good judgment is an excellent skill, but being in judgment of people is it kind of takes away from obviously connection and prohibits you from listening and therefore having that clean communication of pillar two. The fourth pillar is to really stand for a higher purpose within your organization because it helps organizations and in particular leaders make effective decisions and be consistent in those choices that they make on behalf of the people that work with them. The fifth pillar is participation, and that goes back to that element of engagement that I spoke of earlier. And lastly, the sixth pillar is 100% responsibility, which drives accountability. And as we study thousands of organizations and actually people and relationships, because organizations are just people in action, that's what organizations are. Products, products are created through people. I mean, there are people touch 
every aspect of our lives. And so we always say that we build organizations through people, not PowerPoint. And because everyone asks us for a PowerPoint, and I'm not sure exactly. I think what they want is the the energy and the inspiration, and they're hoping to find that. And you, you find that through creating a community, that sense of connection and those pillars that bring people together to stand for something. And then they all contribute. Everyone's contribution becomes of value. And it doesn't matter what your contribution actually is. So, you know, as the CEO of my company, most people think that my contribution is to run the company. And the truth of the matter is I don't run the company. I'm no good at it. And so as a leader, I step aside and have someone who runs the company, and I respect the rules of the company um, and break them as much as anybody else in the company. So I think (laughs) all of these pieces come together. And the short answer is engagement. <laughs> you know what? I have to tell you that that was a a profound answer to that question. Um, you know, where you where you brought out the whole idea of I can be a leader in the supermarket when I smile at someone and I um, and I change everything and perhaps bring out inspire that person to bring out some more positive behavior. Um, and that was just really um, a great answer. Thank you very much for that. And also when getting into the pillars, and I was actually jotting them down, but I'm going to go and buy your book after. Because what's interesting <laughs> about that is very interesting to me because you, when you talk about those pillars, I think, yep, okay, I hear it, I see it. It's stuff that you get into every day. What's interesting for leaders is we all somewhere can relate to these six pillars, but are we consciously living them every day? And it's so easy for us to slip away from it in the in the doing, as you mentioned before, um, of of life. And you know, in in today's uh, business world, because of because of the way that the economy has been going, a lot of the leaders have had to do, and you spend a little less time trying to, you know, figure out how to bring out the best in, in people and let them run your company because they're really better at it than you are, and, and it's the truth. Um, and more time, you know, digging in because there are fewer resources, and it, it really is important for leaders to step out of it a little bit. Um, and I, I like the way I'm, you know, looking at your, um, you know, you have a leadership workshop that you do, a training workshop where, you know, I read the itinerary and you have a a, a, moment, a time when you redefine leadership, right? And I'm, I'm guessing this is what it's all about, um, to be, behave like a leader. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's a real, uh, you know, leadership revolution right now that we've got to have more people step forward. You know, I have a 10-year-old daughter, Isabella, and I encourage her to lead. And that might be um, just her behavior in, you know, she's she's in a play right now. And she doesn't have a starring role in the play. And yet how she behaves and how she contributes and how she participates, she's demonstrating her leadership as, as a member of that community. And so, I, you know, I look at I look at that and feel very encouraged and I honestly believe that women have an extraordinary gift of leadership because when you look at pillar one, which is connection, and you are so right about, you know, what's happened in the economy and we've had to make tough decisions and people have lost their jobs and mediocrity has really taken a bad hit. People who have chosen mediocrity were really very vulnerable in a down market. So how do you stay out of mediocrity and drive to a higher level of performance? And at the same time, that all comes back to how am I self-leading? What about my own self-leadership is 
really standing out and allowing my organization and its contributions to make a big difference. And actually, there's a really cool leadership test. Um, it's very fun, and it's free, and we don't sell data or anything like that, so you don't have to worry. Um, it is at AspireLeadership.com. And you just click on it, and you, there's just a handful of questions. And it's really interesting. You know, some of the uh, the CEOs and Cs that we work with, they don't do quite as well on this leadership test, I have to tell you. <laughs> because uh, I, think, I think, you know, the other thing about leadership is that, you know, you've got to really be able to be present um, with, you know, those people if you're in the position of leading um, those people that you lead. And being mm-hmm. present is very hard when we're all stretched so thin and we're moving so fast and we're trying to keep up. It's a it's a lot easier said than done. It's a very humbling experience when you come to realize that you're not as present uh, as you as you really um, would most effectively be. It's so true. We're all moving. Um, we're all moving so quickly now. When you you have a um, a really interesting um, site here for tips on leadership. Um, just you know, obviously the six the six pillars of leadership are really important. But when you're in the day to day grind um, and the heat is just on, and you know maybe you're um, stressed out and you just you know you're trying to get your job done and you really just don't have time to kind of step back and 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 think. If if you were to just give someone a handful of tips to say, just keep these always, remember these things, be do, do these things, and it will help you maintain your leadership behavior even through the stressful times. What might those key tips be? Well, um, first and foremost, if you go to tipsonleadership.com, um, and we'll, we'll just – uh, Lisa's aware of this. We'll wait. There's a normally a fee, and there won't be. Um, and it is you can anyone can sign up for them. We're we our goal is to help people think differently. And each Monday a tip goes out, and it's very brief and it's very tactical because we all you know to, to, you know though having lots of depth and information is always interesting. You know, in today's fast paced world, we kind of need to cut to the chase. And so, in cutting to the chase, here's my answer to your question. I think one of the greatest things that we can give to one another as leaders is the gift of listening. And, you know, that would mean listen more, talk less. And that when we listen to another person, we really learn more than we knew. And that really allows us to be more effective as a leader. It's more effective as a parent. You're more effective as a a fellow employee or you're working on a project. You know, usually when I'm making my mistakes, I was moving fast and in my head and not fully present, and hence I wasn't listening clear enough to know what direction or what I really needed to do. So, you know, listening would be, you know, to to listen to others, uh, listen more, talk less. I I think at the same time uh, to acknowledge people. One of the things as leaders that we, we tend to move fast, so we're looking at something and we don't acknowledge what another person is saying. And acknowledgement is about ensuring that the other person is engaged and feels heard. So you don't have to agree with it. It shouldn't sound patronizing. And yet you, you want to be able to make sure that you've understood something. And when you have to acknowledge what another person said, you have to be fully present. It's just like for yourself. 
in this communication with me because you're running the show today. You have to basically capture something I said and move it to the next direction. So you have to really be fully present to do that and then to acknowledge it to keep me engaged and to move on. So I think another important uh, and simple skill yet hard to do is to acknowledge a, another person. And the, the other thing that I think is there's just far too little of in today's world is to encourage people more. We, we tend to find what's wrong, and there's nothing wrong. In, in today's business environment, there's a lot of things that we need to do different, and that's always the case. Um, and yet, when you think about the best way to get more performance out of yourself or another person, it, it, encouragement it brings out the best of people. So that we can we can still look at something and, and say what's not right about it, yet we can find what is right and then move to what what else needs to be done. So I always call that make them make a person right and point them. And this pointing them also gives people encouragement that you're in. Even if you're in a position where as a leader and you know, some of the darkest days are the days where you're letting someone who isn't performing to the expectations needed um, you have to let them go, and it's just a reality. But how can you do it in a way that keeps another person? Um, this is a human being. How can you do it in a way that, that you know allows them to feel whole at the end? And so, to encourage people is, a, I think, a really important gift that a leader has. Uh, the last thing I'd say is to uh, inspire people and to get them to see. You know, great leaders, in my opinion, help people see what they can't yet see. And that's a, that's a big leap that people feel enough trust and connection to something that, that they're going to allow you to inspire them to something that doesn't even exist or may borderline between possible and impossible. And yet people will move to that. And so, you know, what inspires people? Well, in, people are inspired by innovation. People are inspired by, you know, the fact that you know, someone cares about them. Uh, well, what is it that inspires you and the likelihood of it, it inspires other people? So I think these are all elements of, you know, what you can do to take on immediately starting tonight is to listen more, to acknowledge people and what they're saying so that you know you're, you're fully present um, in the conversation and to find more ways to make people right and then point them to improve the situation versus just making them wrong because their answer was wrong, and lastly, to you know, inspire them to see something else. Most mm. innovation, my experience, um, was already inside an organization, and fortunately for me, my company gets hired to help them realize that that was really smart, that innovation was smart. And so how do you do that in a way that, that brings people forward to contribute? Uh, because... Most people, there's a lot of ideas out there that are really extraordinary, and they just need to have a platform to be heard. What's really interesting, you know, the the, the concept of listening, and um, I've worked with an executive coach myself in my past, and um, being a, you know, I was a young person when I started my company and had never managed people ever. I ran my own show where I was, and I was a deal maker, and I just had this idea. What's interesting to me about listening is it took me a really long time, a really long time, and some hard lessons learned to um, to uh, even realize 
that I wasn't really listening even though I thought I was listening. And that was a hard lesson for me to learn. And when I started to really listen, what I thought, what I think I was doing and I was listening, but I was waiting to say what I wanted to say. And when I learned how to really listen, my business flourished. And uh, and things started to be different. I was happier. People were happier. And I noticed that. And I think that's a really valuable lesson for people. What Just what you said, keep listening, acknowledge people, and give them an opportunity to uh, to be present and 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 um, and speak and and share their ideas and have those ideas welcomed. Now, what's interesting is I'm reading your tips for leadership. Is that tip 34, 35, 36, and 37 all say keep it simple? <laughs> so I, since you have it down there four times, there must be something really important there. Keep it simple four times. Um, talk to me about that in leadership. Well, uh, that could be a technology error. <laughs> so, oh, you think it's a glitch? <laughs> it could be. Who knows? Um, and keeping it, keeping it simple. I, I actually, I think it goes right back to, to listening too. Yeah, just... I remember years and years ago, uh, someone was explaining something to me. Um, actually, it was in technology, which is as. Chicky will share is not my background, and yet we do work with um, technology because we do a lot around the culture and the training um, aspects. Not we're not technology experts. Actually, we are far from technology experts. And I remember actually, uh, it was it was Chicky. She was explaining something to me. She probably doesn't even know this. Um, and I had just previously gotten off the phone and learning about some technology issues. And I had hung up, and it was so complex. I felt like somewhere between, am I, am I just not smart enough to get this? Um, or is this just not my cup of tea? Or do I really care? Like nothing that was really productive. You know, so I probably spent 30 minutes trying to understand something, and it was very complex. So it wasn't simple, and yet it was, um, it, it was complex in nature. It was also presented in a way that in hindsight, and I think this happens a lot, is that uh, other people um, find, you know, making something complex maybe makes another person feel like they're of more importance which is an ego issue. All people have ego issues. So it's not a problem except that, you know, if you're trying to help someone, your job is to, is to, is to do what we call an inspire transference, to make sure that a, a information has landed with another person. That's your job. So if it's landed, they would understand it. And so uh, I actually, ironically, Chicky and I were in touch on certain on some other matters, and we, I was asking her about something, and, and she explained it, and it was so simple and obvious that the rest of it started to make sense. And I think this is a unique gift, that when you can take an idea, and this is why we try and do this with the six pillars, and we say, you know, it, they're just, the, these six pillars, when they exist in organizations, when they exist in families, when they exist between relationships, the, the relationship prospers, and it's just that simple. And then people can create them. They can they can come to life because we can all do them. So I always start with, you know, what is the outcome? 
ironically, actually, I was in a meeting just this morning and with a technology company, very cool stuff going on, and they handed me this deck of information and started in on page one, and I, of course, was, you know, looking through it going, wow, this is really, well, not very interesting, I guess is what would be the truth. <laughs> and so I stopped and I said, okay, before we kind of go through this painstakingly, go through page after page after page, single space of data and information, can you tell me what, is, what does this technology do? Period. Five words or less. <laughs> and, you know, it took a little bit of time, and they kind of rambled through, and I basically came back and said it, you know, optimizes blah, blah, blah. And they said, that's exactly right. And I said, okay, I got it. Now you can start to give me the rest. But before I could understand it um, and in a simplified manner, and people sometimes mistake simplification with what the industry, what industry businesses sometimes say, dumb it down. Well, right. I don't think it's just dumbing it down. I think it's simplify it so that people can really understand the essence of it. What do I really need to tell here? And then they can expand from there. But when we intimidate people and make things more complex, they disengage. And that mm -hmm. was happening in two minutes with someone who was paying me to listen. So I think it goes right back to that engagement that when we can simplify things in a way that another person can really engage in them and, and understand them, then it changes. Uh, then you get the opportunity. Then you get to engage me so that I can contribute, pillar number five, because we all have something to contribute. And if I'm invited to the table, I would think you want me to contribute. Right. But if I right. feel like I can't contribute, I'm not going to. And I think most people wouldn't say, you know, most people would feel embarrassed. And, you know, I felt embarrassed more than once in saying, hey, I, uh, you know, I, I don't even know what you're talking about here. <laughs> I said that just the other day. Someone used a really big word around me, and I just started laughing and said, I'm sorry, I don't even know what that means. You know what? You just got to admit it sometimes, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, humility is the greatest is is a is a gift. It's not a curse. That's for sure. You know. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting to me, and this is something that I've I've spent a lot of time reading about, but I always find it interesting to hear people's uh, different perspectives. And maybe you have some tips on this. Um, it, how about um, maybe we spend a couple of minutes talking about body language. Um, effective body language uh, for leaders, because I think sometimes that's something we are more apt to be careful in our words and try to, um, you know, temper our tone. Those are all things that we try to do. Sometimes the body language uh, can be more powerful. And do you have any tips around, around that specifically for when you're dealing with your team and or if you're in um, – big meetings with uh, with maybe investors or board members and um, and how to present yourself in a in a in a in a way that uh, commands respect but also uh, inspires people okay so yes there's a couple things that come to mind um, as it relates to to I, I, I think it's communication body language is a piece of that and um, I, I would say, especially since I've, I'm, I'm speaking to all these fabulous 
women leaders on the line today, I I, I think that uh, number one is embrace your femininity. And when I was, you know, getting out of college, you know, I think, uh, you know, back in the dark ages, um, <laughs> you know, I, it was very much about blue suits and, and you were buttoned up and that's when those hideous bows were in style in, in the mid-80s, um, which, by the way, have never come back and there's a reason for that. <laughs> and uh, so I think that, you know, as a woman, uh, one of the things is that, you know, you are a woman and so to have the presence of your femininity and that does not mean work the room, you know, like you're, you know, out looking for a date. It just means be be a woman and um, be your authentic self. And I think embodying language, uh, you know, especially as a speaker in particular, you know, authenticity, you know, people know when you're your authentic self. So a lot of people talk about body language. It represents 55% of what you say. Tone of voice is 38%. So, you know, these are really important things. I would define body language, you know, there's the the other elements that are not as seen. So let me take another idea. When you stand, own your space. So if you are standing, you would have your shoulders would be square to another person. You, Of course, you would have eye contact. You would project um, in a, an appropriate way, not too loudly. Actually, I was in a meeting the other day, and I'm from Philly, so I am loud. My mom was hard of hearing. She had very, very little hearing my whole life. I didn't, I didn't even realize how loud I was until someone said that I spoke loudly, and I thought, really? Yeah. And then I went home one day after, you know, being away at college, and I thought, why is my mom screaming at me? And she wasn't. She just couldn't hear. So, you know, to own your your the the projection of your voice is very important. Um, when I say um, own your space, like sometimes I'll see um, a woman presenting, um, and you know, like she'll have she'll be standing, and one leg will be in front of another. And sometimes you see this in celebrity magazines, and it's kind of like this kind of coy thing. And if you're trying to you know, be a leader and demonstrate your knowledge and that, you know, you have a seat at the table. You know, you want your, you know, feet separated and parallel and, and you need to stand strong with your shoulders back and use your hands to help communicate um, as you're, you know, making motion because emotion comes um, from motion. And so to really own that space. Another thing about body language uh, that is kind of um body language is more affected by it, it's how prepared are you? And I know that this is not a normal answer, and you don't know me well, but I, there's plenty of evidence that I don't give many normal answers. Um, and that is, in preparation, when we know what we're talking about, when we can speak to it authentically and with passion in our belief and, and be succinct, uh, we communicate uh, in, a, in a way where people believe us. And so that preparation becomes exponentially important to communicating body language that says, uh, you, I, I know what I'm doing, and you can count on me. And when we shrink, we become less effective in, in our body language. 
So, of course, there's the eye contact and, you know, make sure you don't have stuff in between your teeth because you can't even imagine what people are looking at. You know, it's, it's, your your body language comes in a lot of different pieces, um, not just, you know, how you're standing or if you have eye contact. I also say that in body language, um, this goes back to listening. I, I'm just on this listening today. It's about mind contact, not really eye contact. Because, you know, I faked eye contact with my mother for years and, you know, never heard a word she said. And that's why she got to repeat herself 25 times when I was, you know, a teenager. <laughs> they all do. <laughs> yes. I was an exceptionally good one, too. So. <laughs> Well, I think I, I just think it's uh, it's always interesting to hear that stuff, and I think it makes it makes a really big difference. And interesting that you mentioned earlier, you know, body language is part of communication, and it all falls into one kind of major bucket, and that's just a piece of it. I, I truly believe that. Also, um, we're coming up on um, on the time when I'm you know going to um, open the call for questions. I know we have um, at least one person on the phone, and what I think I'll do, Rainy. First of all, thank you very much for participating. Um, I encourage everybody to visit. Is it Rainey's uh, website, which is uh, Aspire Mark? Is it AspireMarketing.com? Yeah, there's AspireMarketing.com is the company. In particular for this group, I think that the resources at AspireLeadership.com are, you know, we because we do so much leadership work, we actually it it, fits, it, it actually lives inside the Aspire Marketing site, and yet Aspire Leadership will take you right there. Okay, wonderful. So AspireLeadership.com, all of this is going to be available on the um, on the internal website for the Next Generations Leaders Group, obviously. Um, and I'm going to uh, thank you, and then I'll, I'll end the recording, and we can get into questions. One moment. <laughs> 